Welcome to the Be Here Now guest podcast. This series features a collection of teachings and conversations centered around mindfulness, spiritual growth, and living a life in balance. Each week, our diverse network of guest teachers and hosts offer up wisdom and practices from a different spiritual path and perspective. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash donate. This feels like a, a really important and special day. Not important because we need to add any pressure, but important because we get to not. You know, it's sort of like, I don't know if you remember graduating from high school and emptying out your locker and maybe burning your papers <laughs> or throwing them in the trash or maybe even leaving them in the locker. <laughs> but it's not like you didn't get anything out of high school. You got a lot, but you can put it down. And so today feels like that kind of day. Really allowing yourself to know what you know. You know, know what makes sense. Practice with what makes sense today. You probably have had glimpses into going, oh, this, this, is, this is working. This is doing something when I do it this way. Maybe you've really had some beautiful relationships with sensation or pain or watching thoughts arise and pass. Or just the simplicity of breathing. I've watched so many of you doing very creative walking practices. <laughs> seeing practices. Um, it's kind of interesting and fun to see what we've, what we've learned. So today we're going to work with a practice um, called choiceless awareness, which really encompasses the whole of everything we've been teaching. Right, So if you can remember that far back, we really landed in breath and body sensations, really working on stabilizing and, and arriving. And then we opened up to emotions because they're there anyway, right? So we can pretend that there aren't emotions, but as we know, they were there. And then thoughts were talked about, they were always there too. And so now where, where the, the breadth of the practice is, is to include it all. What's it like to sit right now, as many of you are already practicing, what is asking for your attention right now? What do you know about this experience right now? And it doesn't have to be what we prefer or like. It's just what's happening right now. And then you might notice when I ask that question that it's probably changed even to right now. So again, what's happening right now? So in working with choiceless awareness, there's a continuity 
of attention, a continuity of awareness around what's happening and what's happening now and what's happening now. And so maybe it looks something like, for me, I'll speak from my practice, hearing. Hearing the cars drive by, the birds. Deep breath in the chest, sensation of expansion. Eyes feeling tight. Warmth in my body. Sounds outside. Right, so there's this very gentle, it's a little bit of a noting because I was saying it out loud to you, but it doesn't have to have words to it. It does not have to have that noting quality to it. But being in experience as it's changing, as it's shifting, and that includes thinking. Sometimes we'll have a sensation in the body, such as right now, again, I'll go to my experience, I'm feeling very warm. So my thinking is, oh, I wonder what the weather's like in Los Angeles right now. (laughs) That's where my mind will go. Hmm, I wonder if it's cooler there. I wonder if I'd be sweating like this if I was there. (laughs) And then the mind starts to go, starts to tell a story, but I know it's happening, right? So there's a difference between getting caught or watching the arising of a thought based on an experience. So we can pay attention, the arising of the thought. Okay, thinking is happening. I'm paying attention, I'm paying attention. The thought is passing. Now what picks up my attention? The birds keep calling me, so I'm hearing them again. Breathing. Sensation in my spine. Deep breath. Right, so this... It's choiceless because we're allowing ourselves to sit back and not have to actively create anything. It's a watching, a knowing, a seeing. And then we get, we get this really beautiful view of how phenomenon changes. And we don't have to do anything. So I think, I think I'm going to leave it at that for now. So allowing yourself, how we start a practice, I think, can be very important um, and can kind of set us up for how the whole practice period is going to go. So finding that posture that I have no doubt you've all been working on for the week, settling into that posture, and first letting yourself really find the body. So sometimes that might mean starting with the feet, the bottom, the hands, very much landing in the density, the gravity, the weight, 
of this body. Maybe feeling pressure points, contact points. the external world meeting with our flesh. Really knowing that there is a body. There is a body sitting in this room. Just checking into how you know that. How do I know I'm here? I know I'm here because I'm hearing sounds, because I'm feeling what I'm sitting on. Maybe you can even feel the texture of your clothing on your skin. Whatever it is, this awareness of being here. Taking a few moments to land in that. Sometimes even setting the intention of right now, I don't need to do anything. Right now, I get to just be. So that means in this moment, nothing is wrong with my experience. I'm not doing it wrong. I'm not feeling it wrong. I'm not thinking it wrong. I'm not hearing it wrong. And over and over again, without judgment or criticism, where am I right now?
And from this place, a place of stability, a bit of a foundation, giving the spaciousness to observe what arises. Maybe in this moment, it's a very pleasant experience. Maybe the overall is a bit unpleasant. Knowing that there's value judgment on that. So watching the arising and passing of that thinking. Sensing into the body, the internal experience. If anything grabs your attention, not creating anything, not controlling anything. Just checking it out. What's there right now? (laughs) Noticing how if we like it, we lean in. If we don't like it, we push away. Just letting that be okay. Merely an observation. Breathing in and breathing out. Sensations arising, maybe the mind picks up on a sensation, starts thinking about it, watching that arise, if we don't get caught, just watching it pass. Every little bit of our experience gets to be here. What am I paying attention to right now?
Checking in, where am I right now? What's going on in this experience? Breathing, bodily sensations, emotional sensations, thoughts. overall moods or experience. It's all right here. No need to push anything away. Curiosity and interest in this experience.
Again, checking in, where am I right now? And then I want to give the permission to stay in the posture that you're in, but just stop meditating. Just stop meditating. Just sitting there in whatever way you'd like, eyes closed, if they are, same posture, but not meditating. So did that feel any different when you stopped meditating? No. Some yes, maybe. I know when I stop meditating, I actually start meditating. (laughs) It's like, oh, yes. Now I could just sit here and observe. Great. (laughs) No problem. So maybe that's more the, for those of you that it didn't feel any different, no problem either. For those of you that did, maybe taking that seat today, really walking through, staying in the posture, staying present and not meditating. Maybe something else to incline towards, and I know we've said it, we've pointed to it explicitly, but maybe just that, instead of only noticing what's wrong, or what I need to fix, or what I need to change, or excavate, or whatever, what's going okay? What's fine? 
paying a lot of attention to those moments when you take multiple breaths and there isn't a a hindrance present. Because if I were to sort of do some kind of survey, my guess is going to be for most of you, that's happening more often than there's a problem. But sometimes we just see it as eh, (laughs) boring, nothing, neutral, right? But it's the absence of a hindrance. Really learn to, it's a cultivation to learn to appreciate that because we're so used to heightened states of experience that when there's actually peace and ease, it can feel really um, unfamiliar. So let yourself be in that. And then just one more, one more thing. Well, a couple more things. If a hindrance is present, right? If you feel like you're really caught up in restlessness or sleepiness or doubt or, or whatever might be their desire or aversion, it's interesting how this, the moment we place mindfulness on it, the moment we place mindfulness on it, something changes, right? You've probably all noticed that, right? It's like the pain when Chaz was talking about it. It was like, oh, it went away. Or again, the point is not for it to go away. But the moment we place mindfulness on it, something happens. We we start to get interested. We start to see, so let's say restlessness. Restlessness. Okay, I'm restless. I'm restless. I'm restless. How do you know you're restless? Okay. Curiosity, interest. I know I'm restless because my hands are clenched, my throat is tight, my body's kind of vibrating. You know, I just feel tense. I want to get up. That's how I know I'm restless. Okay, so check that out. I'm calling this restless. Tight, vibrating, restless. That's curiosity. That's interest. We start investigating what's going actually going on. And when we start to look at something, when we start to be curious about something, I don't know how many of you like going to museums or seeing art or, or music, but you know how when we're really paying attention to something and we're, we're really deeply looking at it, oh, the color, the shade, the tone, the quality, it kind of, we get more energy. We call it virya maybe. We, we, we stay a little bit longer if we're curious about something. If we don't like something, we tend to turn around and walk away. If we're curious about something, we tend to stay and and check it out a little more deeply. And there's some joy in that. You know, it's like, oh, I can stay for this. I can look at this. When I was a when I was little, um, every every year my mom took me to Disneyland for my birthday. Or we either went to Disneyland or or we had this marionette, like these live-sized marionettes, which are actually very freaky. But like I would get to take, you know, 10 of my friends to the marionette show or to Disneyland. And every night before my birthday, I would get sick, like vomit sick. And I had this really wise pediatrician who gave my mom, you know, I didn't know it, but it was a placebo lime water that I, that she gave me every night before my birthday after we kind of saw this pattern, right? And so we saw this pattern, saw this pattern, and then she'd give me the lime water and I didn't get sick anymore. <laughs> but when I think back on that, what, why I'm even saying it here is because what I conceptually thought of as anxiety or like uh, stress 
It was actually excitement. It was actually excitement. Because the body, this body, anxiety and excitement felt the same. Rapid heartbeat, gut churning, mind popping, vibration in the body. Okay, well, that feels like anxiety. And that feels like excitement. But once I started really investigating the qualities and the difference, right? The physiology of the body tells us all kinds of things. We might believe it. We might believe the mind and the stories. Um, but sometimes all it takes is that shift, that placebo, that shift of perspective, that curiosity, that interest to really see it for what it is. So today, again, like we can actually access that through not meditating. (laughs) Let yourself walk today. See, feel, hear, sense, smell, taste, touch. And pay attention to that happening throughout the whole day. This is your opportunity for a lot of continuity. From the second you stand up, placing your feet, the walking practice begins right? The seeing practice begins, the eating practice. It, it, it all flows. The mindfulness gets to stay all day today. It's beautiful. So those are all the practice words I'm going to use. Are there any questions? Let's see. All the way in the back. And let's try to have people who maybe haven't had a chance yet to ask questions first. Let's stick to practice questions for now. We'll talk about that thing that will happen in a couple days later. (laughs) I think this is practice related, which is um, mindfulness and sleep. I notice when I have sleepiness in the day, I can work with it. There's continuity of mindfulness, but when I wake up in the middle of the night for whatever reason, it's like there's no, I can't have mindfulness. And it's, I just see everything come up. And even last night, I'm like, okay, mindfulness, but I'm just too tired. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you have thoughts. And I notice that just in life too, but especially here, I can notice the difference because mm-hmm. it'll be all of the things that I'm mindfully working with in the day and it feels fine. I'm so tired when I wake up in the middle of the night. So any wisdom, thank you. Mm. Yeah, that's a big one. Um I mean there there's a few there's a few ways to to look at it, work with it. Um one is we can, through strong effort, see if we can quiet the mind, right? By really landing very much in breath and body. Um, one of the, in one of the suttas, and I, I don't fully know what it is right now, but it's, it talks about literally like tying the elephant down to the post, right? Where you just like take it down <laughs> and you absolutely do not think it. <laughs> it's not very relaxing when you're laying in bed, 
But it, there's something really important about it. And I talked to somebody else the other day about putting down the suitcase. Like sometimes it's, you know, if, if it's in here, if it's in our body, we be, we so become the thinking, the planning, the doing that sometimes externalizing it, like not right now. And literally, if we see it like a suitcase or a backpack, like I'm taking it off, I'm putting you down, I'll hook up with you again in the morning, right? So it's a, it's an intentional request. Sometimes it actually works. Like sometimes the mind um, will quiet. It's almost like, you know, having somebody hold you, just saying, okay, not right now. I got you. Not right now. We'll take care of it later. So that's, that's one thing to do about it. Another would be... Um, to actually get up, to, to, to not lay in bed, maybe do a walking practice and just sort of let the mind settle in that way. And another is to get out a good old piece of paper and write down the list, right, of, of those things. Get them out of your mind and lay back down. I mean, there's, you, you all might have some other, um, but it is one. And, and, you know, sometimes it's just like, okay, what do you need to tell me? Right? Sometimes it's that there's so much pressure on getting sleep, right? And I did a lot of, because I have a lot of sleep issues, and so I did a lot of study on how humans have slept historically over the last, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of years that we've been here. And it's very new that we're told to lay down and sleep for eight hours and get up. You know, a lot of times it was like slept for two hours, got up lit the fire, did some work, laid back down, got up. Did, you know, And so now we, we're so convinced that we're doing it wrong if we wake up in the middle of the night that um, that's the extra added pressure, right? You know, so again, it's that second arrow. <laughs> so maybe it's okay to wake up and maybe it's okay to have some thoughts and when you're ready, you'll fall back asleep. And it's okay to be tired. See, that's the other thing. It's like, Carr talked about this a lot. We must produce, we must produce, we must be rested to produce, we must look good, we must do it, do it, right? And it's like, no, I'm just tired today. Totally okay. Right? Thank you. <laughs> this is about the meta practice. Um, I've had a question about why we focus on metta and not on any of the other four Brahma Viharas. So I can understand it would be hard to f- meditate with a Bekha, but Mudita or Karuna seem just as accessible and to me maybe even more accessible than metta. So why do we have metta med- meditation practice and not a Karuna or a Mudita meditation practice? Yeah. Thank you. Good. That's a good question. Um, and actually, you know, the the Metta Sutta and, and what we're chanting at night, the divine abidings, the practice actually encompasses all of them. They aren't separate, right? So, so, so Metta is that core of the loving kindness. And then when we tip over into, into suffering, when we tip over into that, it becomes compassion. When the Metta tips over into lightness of the heart and joy, it becomes mudita. Um, you're right, on the schedule, right? On the schedule of a retreat, it's like metta, and then we're teaching metta. And <laughs> if we had more time, 
we would we would roll it out and do more. But one of the things that we found is we are throwing so many words out at everybody and so many practices that it can just get so confusing. And it's like, which one do I do? I don't know what to do. I'm too confused to do any, you know, I'm trying them all. And, and it's, it's just, and then nothing comes in. So um, it's just a teacher choice, right? It's just a choice. I, I think Rebecca yesterday did bring some forgiveness and some, and some compassion in. So I think we've all been doing like little flavors of it, but maybe not naming it explicitly. Um, so thank you for naming it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a choice and hopefully, hopefully what will come just from our own, from your own wisdom of the practice is that we can see the leanings of where it's going. I don't know if it helps, but that's, thanks. Uh-oh, you got a whole pack back there. I think this is in the realm or category of it's, it's mental images. Um, one of the things that happens for me a lot on retreat, and I've noticed it happens pretty much every retreat, is I get spontaneous mental images of patterns in nature or textures just arise in my mind. Um, and initially, they they seemed like they were kind of pathologies. And I had a like disgust reaction to the textures, like um, like a woodpeckered tree kind of thing where it's um, not in its like healthiest. Um, I was just kind of like, and then my mind spends a lot of time like wondering what's up with that. <laughs> and if that's something that happens often to meditators or if this is a unique brand of my mind. Um, but I thought I'd just pull the, the teachers there to see if there's anyone else who has this happen that now that I sit with them a little more, I'm able to like dial back the disgust or just like notice it. And it's less like captivating, but I'm still curious. Hmm. I'm curious too. (laughs) And, and this isn't something that you feel you arises any other time than on retreat. I mean, do you have pattern, texture, imagery? Um, I think I have like a like a little bit of a fear or discomfort with certain patterns and textures, Hmm. Um, and I don't know what's up with that either. (laughs) Yeah. It, it seems like it's the judgment that you're putting on it. That's the problem, not the actual pattern or or the visual or the see. It's, it's seeing that's happening, right? Seeing is happening. Seeing is happening. Texture, pattern, woodpecker holes, (laughs) and then disgust. So when we move into 
first the perception and then the mental sort of proliferation around it, that disgust. Maybe pulling it back a little, seeing, seeing, maybe even unpleasant, and then see what happens, just allowing it to be put down from there. Because there's some kind of conditioned response, I don't know what it is, that then adds disgust, whereas, you know, another person's mind, I always think it'd be so amazing to be in somebody else's mind for a day, you know, just to have like another mind plopped into my head just for a day. (laughs) And so maybe that conditioned response for somebody else would be like, oh, interesting, intricate design, mathematics, you know, inquiry. So watching, um, again, this goes into that pleasant and unpleasant realm, um, which changes. So sometimes, so you might see something like that and it could be quite disgusting, unpleasant, or you might see something like that, a different pattern, maybe different colors, and it could be quite pleasant. So I guess, you know, all that to say, um, seeing is happening. And then sometimes if we just let it be that, then instead of moving into the rest, I don't know, it'll be interesting for you to kind of look at it some more. And it's not a problem. Let's put it that way. Thank you. We'll take one, one more. Ooh, Rochambeau. <laughs> I'd be curious to compare the two approaches, one being, well, there are many different approaches, but two that I've been exploring, one being just being in the flow of what I'm experiencing, thoughts, uh, sensations, etc. And then the other that I do quite often in my day-to-day life all the time, I love dropping my thoughts mid-thought and just being in in peace, just being in nothing. I love that. But now in this retreat, I'm wondering how much of that is my aversion to just be with what's coming up. And I'm like, mm-hmm. do I actually love that? Because I just don't want to be with anything that's coming up. Uh, maybe, but curious to just compare those, those two. And I don't know if I'm curious about the, the benefits, but now I'm wondering if they're actually quite different from each other. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? <sighs> Well, I guess sometimes it's possible that sometimes I, well, I know I'm often thinking a lot of useless thoughts and it's totally okay for me to drop the mid thought and just be in, in, in my feeling of peace, of openness. Um, and yeah, it's possible that sometimes I, I am pushing it away, I guess. Then that's where the mindfulness would come in. But I'm just realizing more than just being in the flow of awareness, more often I practice like, oh, I'm thinking, just dropping it, not even going to think about what I was thinking about, just going to drop it and just be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which can feel like a bypass a little bit, right? Yeah. 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 And so then I guess the the distinction would be what's the difference for you between a thought and an emotion or the thought and experience? Because yes, if it's just in the head and it's this stream of thought, probably and it's redundant, and you've thought it before, and it's obsessive, and it's whatever, right? Maybe not so helpful. But it is, like we've talked about so many times, we can be in direct experience. We can stay in direct experience. 
not pushing something away, but what's, what's actually happening is the thought, you know, the protagonist or the provocateur of an, an experience that you need to be having, like distancing or separation or avoidance or running away or whatever, you know, your modality is. So am I avoiding right now? Hmm, I don't know. Let's check in. The thinking might be like, oh, this isn't good for me. I shouldn't be doing it anyway. I'm just going to drop it. But what's going on here? Oh, maybe there's something more happening. Does that make, do do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I think actually what I'm wondering is in the insight meditation tradition, when you were first learning it, how often would you talk about the practice of just dropping? Or is it much more just the constant, the mindfulness, always being aware? For me, at the beginning, I just dropped it a lot. Uh Yeah. And and that's what you were being taught? Um, That's what I thought I was being taught. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. And it was convenient. It was really convenient. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that's what I thought I was taught yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. And again, like to the question earlier about why we're not teaching compassion and mudita is there's only so much time. So go sit the three-month retreat. <laughs> and really, but, but you're right. You're right on. And it, and it takes time. It does take time. It takes time. It takes a considerable amount of self-trust, which we build over that time, right? Because it's sort of like a house of cards until we've built a real foundation. So why would I put, why would I stick with it if I don't even know what to do with the it when I stay with it, right? And so what happens as we start to build continuity, build sustainability, build reliability, then the it makes more sense. What, what's the it I'm staying with? Pain? Cool. Great. <laughs> why would I, right? But if what I'm staying with has an edge of compassion, has an edge of interest, has an edge of energy, has an edge, then I'm going to stay with it longer and I'll have a little better opportunity to really discover what's there. So for now, whatever level anybody's at is great. You know, and allow the time, allow the time, allow the time. And it does, it does accumulate. You know, it's an accumulation practice. Does that help? Yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Phew. Hot seat. <laughs>